Episode 159, everybody, with Udo Erasmus, the health, wellness, spiritual, and human nature educator. Wow, blown away by this episode. What an insightful, intellectual man, and uh, the value that is provided here from a self-help and mental wellness angle is uh, incredible. I mean, this is just, again, one of these episodes that you're going to probably want to listen to several times and write things down because uh, the intellect that's provided, it makes you think. And you have to stop and pause and really think and dissect what is going on. Don't just hear this episode. Listen. Again, don't just hear it. Listen to it. Listen intently. And uh, do what you need to do to take mental notes um, or physical notes where you go back and reread what you've written down because uh, he drops a lot of knowledge in this episode. Uh, before we get there, everybody, please subscribe. The podcast continues to grow. And... Uh, so grateful for all of you, grateful for the reviews, the five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts, uh, the text messages, the emails, etc. Uh, this podcast is growing because of the word of mouth of you, the listener. Plain and simple, I don't market this thing very much. So the more word of mouth that gets out there, the better, the more we can reach uh, people all over this world and provide more, greater value every single time. So with that, folks, please uh, continue to do what you're doing, and I, again, greatly appreciate it. With that said, everybody, again, health, wellness, uh, internal harmony, peace, uh, Udo, Udo Erasmus, the founder of Udo's Choice. You can find him in Whole Foods. I'm telling you, there's not much this guy doesn't do. Without further ado, here he is. Please welcome the one and only Udo Erasmus. The Optimal Life to sell people on themselves would be a nice way to use it. Sexy is a fun but, word. Uh, what's that? Sexy is a fun word. Yeah, it's a powerful word. People can relate, even if they don't feel it. They can strive to feel it. <laughs> even if, even if, if they don't like it, they <laughs> notice. <laughs> so talk to, us, uh, talk to us a little bit. First off, what exactly is flax oil? Did you discover flax oil? Did you create it? What is it? No, I just flax oil is a is the flax is a seed, and its oil is the richest, easily available, affordable source of omega threes, which are the, the uh, omega three is the essential nutrient most often too low for optimum health in the entire population, like ninety nine percent. Very delicate, it has to be made and used with care. And I developed a method for making oils with health in mind because they are our most sensitive nutrients. Very important for health. Every cell needs them. But if you, if you don't treat them with care, they get damaged. And so a lot of damage comes from damaged oils mm. more than any, any other uh, physical cause, actually. So how in the world do you come up with ways to make healthy oils how, how what's your process how did how did that come about <laughs> well i have a long story and a short story i'll tell you the short story 1980 i got poisoned by pesticides my marriage ended and i was very upset and i wanted to kill something so i got a job as a pesticide sprayer because we know i, I knew that the only reason we make pesticides is to kill living organisms so i got a the job as a pesticide sprayer really careless three years got poisoned and uh, doctor said I don't we don't have anything for pesticide poison 
and I have pretty good background in biochemistry and genetics and biological sciences and sciences in general. And so I used my background to help myself and got into the journals, found out how much damage is done to my, my done to these oils in both in, in uh, processing and food preparation and said, well, I can't get healthy in oils like that. We should make them with health in mind. And then it's okay, I'm gonna do it. What does it take? You've got to protect the oils from light, oxygen, and heat because they damage them very quickly. And so I developed a method for doing that so the oils are protected from the time they're in the seed to the time they're in the fridge in a brown glass bottle in a box. And uh, and then and, and, and I, the reason what drove it was when I found out that omega-3s are essential, which was the year after I got poisoned, you know, uh, and, and found out how many... How, you know how just, that just about everybody doesn't get enough. I I lit up like a firecracker. I said, "Oh my God! I just found a purpose." <laughs> you know, we could help so many people if we could bring them back into people's diets in an undamaged way, and that's what drove that whole project. It's like now forty year project almost. And from that day to whenever it was many years later, you end up on the shelves at Whole Foods. It didn't take that long. It didn't take long. Yeah, we, we went out we went out in a van without air conditioning in 1988. That was the big first first big tour. Uh, we did 101 days, 85 cities, 35 states, 17,000 miles by road, uh, in the hottest months of the year, telling everybody who would listen about the importance of good oils, essential fatty acids. They're they're you know the body can't make them, so you have to have them. And omega three is the most the one most commonly too low in people's diet and we talked to everybody in two years that was uh, that was the highest selling oil in the in the health food trade with which is where we started out and it wasn't very long before it was in whole foods because it, it, we created a whole buzz around it <laughs> we had no money it was all bit based on enthusiasm it was uh it was really it's quite it was quite a ride <laughs> but you found a, a hole in the market you found an opportunity because it seemed to be lacking. Totally. Yeah, I find yeah, totally. that fascinating. And, and you know, my timing for getting poisoned was perfect because <laughs> yeah. the, the year because I already had my heads buried in the journals, looking for how to help myself. When it was established that omega threes are essential, that was the the year after. So I was already there. So I literally the timing for getting poisoned couldn't have been better. For coming up with flax oil. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how certain things. Anyway, are... that that was not my time. That was not my timing. There's a lot of things happen when you, <laughs> you know, you can't can't. You know, I'm not a self-made man. <laughs> well, it's the butterfly effect of the universe. We're, yeah, yeah, we're just, like that. The we're just on the ride to make me happy. Yeah, we're just here for the ride. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Um, what do people use your oils for? Are they cooking? Like, what what are they typically using them? No. In? Don't cook with oils made with health in mind. You add them to foods after they come off the heat. Okay. And and they enhance flavors and they improve the absorption of oil soluble nutrients. I actually work with a blend now that's better balanced than flax. I became omega six deficient on it because it's not a well well balanced uh, uh, blend. And uh, and you add it to foods after they come off the heat you can put they, they're compatible with all foods they enhance flavors and improve the absorption of oil soluble nutrients and the blend that i developed after i became omega-6 deficient is uh udo's choice udo, udo's oil it's called mm. it sounds delicious udo yeah. 
It just has a nice yeah, ring to it. it. Well, it tastes pretty good considering it's an oil. Yeah, well, and, and uh, I'm a big oil, salad fan, so I... Oil, oil, sorry. I said uh, I'm a big oil salad fan. like ice cream. Well, listen, I put oils on a lot of my foods, especially salads, so I assume that your oil will be yeah. perfect for a nice chef salad. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Yep. So you're an interesting guy because you have this niche in the um, nutrition space, and you're mm -hmm. obviously all you got to do is go to your website. You see that you've got uh, oils and other things that you're offering that's on the shelves as we just talked about it at some of the biggest stores in this country. Uh, yeah. But you also have more than just that. You you you've, you seem to be a uh, kind of a jack of all trades person when it comes to health, peace, and harmony, internal health, internal peace, internal harmony, yeah. and connecting it all. Yeah. So, so <clears throat> but, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Question before you ask it. So ask a question. What I was going to say was you've, um, you've got this eight-step process that I'm very intrigued by. And yeah. we started, when we first started, it's called Total Sexy Health. So talk to us a little bit about this, and I'd like you to take us through this process, if you would. Okay, so let me tell you the background. This is the, the bigger story. I was born during the Second World War, 1942, in Poland, when it was part of Germany. And at the end of the war, I was not yet three. We were refugees fleeing from communist tanks and trucks, getting to hell out of, out of Poland. And on roads that were only had women and children, men were all off to war, the kids were all most little, they were on horse-drawn hay wagons on a road that had no military presence, and the Allies were shooting at us from planes using the refugees for target practice. So my, my early life was pretty intense, as you can imagine. And we, and we, we made it out, I got left behind, and I just, I just remember anxiety and fear and never, not, never feeling safe. And, you know, Did you have severe PTSD? We made it out, and uh, and when I was six years old, I was listening to adults argue in Germany, and the, what they argued about was really trivial, but they were really going at it. And I looked at it and I said, man, that's so trivial. There must be a way that people can live in harmony, and I'm gonna find out how. So I was six years old. So the, the war was a huge gift for me because it rubbed my nose in how, how important it is to cultivate peace and harmony and, and all the good stuff when we have the, the luxury to do it. Because if we don't do it, we will always drift towards destructiveness. It's, in, it's incredible. So it's incredible when driver, you think of... To science to, because I didn't understand how things worked and, and I couldn't felt like I couldn't rely on much. I decided to study science because in science you learn how things work. So then you get a certain amount of predictability and control. Very nice. Then I got into biosciences because I wanted to know how creatures work. Then I got into psychology because I wanted to know how thinking works. Then I got into medicine because I wanted to learn how health works, but medicine only teaches you about disease. So I went back into biological sciences and that's where you learn about health because you're studying normal creatures in normal situations, not sick creatures in abnormal situations. And then I left university, eventually got into self-knowledge because I actually needed to know how I work. So that's, that's where my background. I have a master's in counseling psych. I quit just short of my uh, master's thesis in genetics. And I love learning. 
I have always loved learning. I read lots of books when I was a kid because they were safe. And so that was really, that was uh, very useful to, to direct me. And and when I got into health, first I got into, into health, give them good information, then so wait a minute, you need to also inspire people because when people aren't inspired, they don't have the energy to make changes. It's really change, making changes hard. But when you're inspired, inspiration frees energy and then doing what you need to do to stick around longer or as long as you can uh, actually makes worthwhile because when people are inspired, they feel really good. Yeah, yeah. So it's that inspiration, that's, so inspiration to me became nutrient one. And then I, then I started getting into digestion with enzymes and probiotics. And then I started looking at what else can I do and what else affects health. And when I really got into it, it's like, you know what? Everything affects health. So, I mean, you name it, it affects health. Mm-hmm. You know, what your garden looks like outside your window affects health. You know, who you're living with affects health. What your politics is like, what's in your, on your telly affects your health. Um, you know, how we treat the environment obviously affects health. Uh, literally, and then I, I got kind of, it came around, it's like, oh my God, under the umbrella of health, I can address every problem, every unaddressed issue on the planet. Hey, Udo, let me uh, then, ask you a question real quick, yeah. please. Yeah. Going back, I just want to try to dig into this a little bit, is the, uh, when you were six years old and you had that horrific experience with the war and the, the fighting. Yeah, no, I was too wet, too wet at that time. Okay, but and then you, I, I listened to people arguing. Yes. You listened at six, okay. So, from from in that in those years where you're post-war and the stress, I, I mean, how as a young child do you handle a post-traumatic stress experience like that? Well, you know, I don't think I actually really ever handled it. It wasn't until I was about 60 that I figured that I had all the symptoms. Wow. It's just like nobody nobody ever talked about it. And so we basically, you know, I I I I was pretty shy, so I was I kept myself safe. I didn't get in, in involved in too many things that you know so that I would feel like I was really out of control. But there is a way of dealing with post traumatic stress. And that is and I didn't know it at the time. But there is inside of in the midst of your worst trauma and your worst drama and your worst memories a little deeper in you in any of those situations or memories is something that loves you that loves your body unconditionally and something beneath that that is perfect contentment and perfect peace and if you can remember or learn or, uh, yeah, basically learn. Learn and remember that in the midst of your worst times, there's something in you that is not affected by any of the dramas and the traumas. And give that some time, too. Why is it so hard? You've got to deal with your, with your issues. Why is it so but hard? You, but but you've got to also give time to that thing that cannot be affected by drama and trauma because in your nature is something whose nature is to be unaffected and completely constant and completely still and completely supportive of your existence. Why is it so hard for most people to get there? <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> that is a, a particularly human prob, uh, issue because 
change will always draw our awareness out of ourselves into where the change is happening because we have to assess it for survival. So is this friend, is this foe, or is this irrelevant? And then we have to take action based on the assessment. So automatically, by nature, our awareness is drawn outside towards change. But there's nothing that automatically draws our awareness back to, the, to our core. So mm. out going out is automatic, but going back in has to be deliberate. Mm. And that's just, how, that's just how human nature is set up. The thing that as close as you get to it is that when your heart aches, you know, that feeling, that uneasy feeling you get in your chest when somebody dumps you or, or your grandmother dies and you were close to her or somebody betrays your trust or, you know, there's a lot of reasons why, why we feel that ache in our chest. And we call it loneliness and longing and blues. We call it drive, drive and striving and yearning and longing and uh, separation and grief and, and uh, sorrow. You know, we have, I have 10 pages of words we use for that feeling in our heart. That feeling, if you boil it down and take all of the reasons that trigger it out of it, you know, because grandma died, so I feel this pain. But grandma's death is not the cause of that pain because she's okay. How come she's okay and I'm not? So what is that, that pain? That pain is our heart calling our awareness to come back home inside to its source in life and then we feel whole so that's the call to come home although we don't usually interpret it that way usually we usually blame it on whatever trick whatever triggered it which was a substitute for being present in our own life i'm having trouble um with this one, so I need you to elaborate a little bit. Okay. So you're you're saying okay, that so if, if we have a if we have a traumatic experience or we're suffering some grief, um, you're saying that the event itself, your grandmother dying, is not what's causing your heart the pain. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So uh, can you please, you know, yeah, we, we, dissect that. We are told that we are told that, and we think that. So let me take it one step further back, where this comes from. When <clears throat> When you were in your mother's womb, I call it the Buddha tank. In, the, in your mother's womb, there was nothing to do. There was no law. Everything was taken care of. All your needs were taken care of. And it was relatively safe. It's more, in, in most people's cases, that's, that's true. And why, because there was nothing to do and nowhere to go and everything was taken care of, there was nowhere for your awareness to go. So your awareness which is the deepest part of your being. Your awareness was at rest, inside, in its source, in life. So you, and you were whole, and you were in your, you, if you were to measure that state, it would be like a Buddha-like state or a master-like state, whether it's Buddha or Krishna or, or, or any of the masters that we talk about. That's the state that we live in for the time that we're in our mother's womb. And so we're present inside and absent outside. We don't know there's even an outside. And then we get born and then everything changes. Now, not everything is taken care of. Now we've got to cry for a diaper change and cry for a breast milk and 
cry for 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 a blanket or you know and and mom has to figure it out and in the process of getting to know the world that we have to know in order to survive it our awareness goes out from its source to the outside world and we end up present outside in our awareness and absent inside and the disconnection from our our awareness from its source within us is the beginning of discontent and the and the first symptom of the discontent is heartache it doesn't feel something is missing that's another one loss a feeling of loss probably that's the the commonest word for heartache some i lost something but whether it's a, a trust that you lost or a person you lost or mm-hmm. something you you cherished that you lost and then what happens is because we're now outside present absent inside absent we try to start to find our wholeness because this is a drive you know the the drive to feel whole according to alfred adler the psychology says is the innermost striving of every human being and i i absolutely from my experience and both myself and and the people i talk to absolutely makes sense innermost striving is to want to feel whole again and so then what we do is we create things we set up ideas of you know we don't know what's going to make us whole we don't remember that we disconnected from ourselves so then we say okay well if i make a million dollars or if i make good marks in school or maybe you said that when you when you were becoming a a lawyer if i get a good practice or whatever it is people do if i if i get the girl if i just get a piece of land and live off the land whatever it is that people think is going to make them happy then they try it out and there there's always the hope that this will make me whole this will fulfill me this will give me peace this will make me feel loved something like that we have lots of different words it's because we don't understand the area the words we use are messy and what happens is we set a goal and then we work our buns off to achieve the goal and when we achieve the goal we get about 3 days where we jump up and down and say yay i did it i did it i did it and after about 3 years that that uneasy feeling is back mm. and then it's like okay well maybe maybe a million dollars wasn't high enough what if i make 10 million dollars then i'll be happy that's the hope so then we set a new project and we set a different direction or whatever it is we do and always in behind it is when i accomplish what i set out to do i'm hoping that i will feel whole again but how do you feel whole again how, how do you feel happens. how do you feel whole Sorry? again when your grandmother passes away why why is that back to that example well, well, okay so wholeness is an experience of the deepest part of your being that's not affected by grandmother's death but our awareness wandered off of being able to access that place whenever we want to so we put it on somebody something outside of us grandmas was just be would but just be one of them because grandmothers are very sweet to to their grandchildren and and so and then i get used to having her in my space and then one day she's gone and maybe i'm too young to understand what happened or maybe i'm not but but now i now there's the there's the 
there's the loss of something that I expected to be there. But of course you can't expect it because grandmothers die. But the, but the place inside, if your awareness was in that place inside, you would still miss grandmother. But you wouldn't be so devastated because your wholeness doesn't die with grandmother. Your wholeness remains whole within your being. But for most people, we don't know how to get quiet and bring our, the focus of awareness inside to that place where there's absolute wholeness rather than relative wholeness. So you could say, well, she makes you feel whole, but it's relative because it's not absolute. She's not there all the time. You can't get, you can't get constantly from something that, that changes. Can you- everything that has form will change form. And so if you depend on things that end, then you, then you, you're setting up a situation for yourself with, with a lot of pain. Can you be lonely if you have God in your life? Uh, if, if you have God as a concept, yes. If, if, you, if you mean the experience of, that is what the deepest experience in your being is called by religious people. But, you know, the, the physicists call it the field, and some people call it consciousness, and some people call it awareness. I like that one because there are too many uh, other different uh, confusions around the definitions. But yes, I'm talking about the same thing, because there is no wholeness if you're not one with. From the, from the core, yourself and the, and the universe you live in. But it's an experience, it's not a thought. You know, people, people know it as thought and there are theories about it. And if you take a, a course in theology, you'll get lots of theory about it. But at the end of your course in theology, there's no guarantee that you w- will ever have had the experience. Yeah, so how, how, do you, how do you achieve the experience and what exactly is the experience? Well, uh, uh, peace or contentment you know, it has us, we have a little bit of a flavor of what that is. The way you get there, first of all, you got to start by knowing it's already within you. And it is already within every human being. No, no matter how agitated they are, it's, you know, our agitation levels are directly proportional to where we focus. So if something is in full, in, in a lot of change, then when we focus on that change, we get dizzy, you know? It affects us. If we focus on what what does not change, then we experience that. And it is literally calm, you feel whole, there's nothing missing. Um, uh, Yeah, this is like, even that, there's nothing missing. Have you felt that? You haven't. And and, and, uh, I'm just gonna say one one more thing about it. Uh, Yeah, how do you do that? Well, you first of all, you don't do it, you have to undo. (laughs) <laughs> you know, we're addicted to doing, doing and thinking. Mm. So what you need to do is you, <laughs> what you need to not do, what you, what, the way we get there is sit down, turn off all of our distractions, get really quiet, see how still we can become, see how deeply still we can become, <clears throat> breathe lightly and slowly, 
see how long you can stay in that stillness and be present in what you discover in the stillness that exists in the space that your body occupies. Have, have <laughs> and, you, and like everything that you want to get good at, it takes practice. Udo, have you experienced we're this? We're super good at going out because we do it every day a thousand times. We're really bad at going in because we, we hardly ever practice that. Have you had so, the personal experience of this in your life? Yes. You have? Yes. So yes. if for some unforeseen, god-awful, let's just, let, I just want to understand your approach mm -hmm. to dealing with something traumatic or grief. <clears throat> yeah. God forbid, when I called you today, your daughter picked up the phone. God forbid mm -hmm. your you were to lose your daughter and she was no longer yeah. here. Yes. Take us through your mental and emotional process. <clears throat> okay. If you think about cha what change affects, change affects your body, change affects your mind, change affects your emotions, change affects your your uh, you know the people. Your, your change affects your people, and change affects your surroundings, your nature. But inspiration. Is not affected by change if you can keep your focus on it. Because what will often happen is our focus will, will change. When you go, when you go to the things that change, when you focus goes to things that change, you will experience all the things you experience when things change. It, uh, the the unconditional love that life has for your body does not change ever, and the and the contentment or perfect peace at the core of your being that awareness does not change what changes our focus so we are always part awareness part unconditional love part inspiration part body part mind part social part environmental and part big picture specs in the universe so we are all that all of the time, but what we experience is de is determined by where the focus of our awareness goes. So does that make sense? Yes, it does. So if you can continue on that path, what would you yeah. do in that God forbid situation, losing a loved one yeah. like that? What would you do? What would be your mindset? Well, I would be, I, I know that that's a possibility, so I live in, in that possibility. I'm not, I'm not asking for it or hoping for it or uh, uh, fearful of it, but I, I'm aware of that possibility. Obviously, when somebody occupies space, some of the space around you, and then they're gone, you, you're gonna go through some withdrawal, and sometimes that's called grief, Sometimes it's called sorrow, and we have different names for it. Uh, but you have to accept it because y you don't have, if you don't have the power to bring it back, then you have to accept that. And there's so there's grief involved and there's tears involved, but you don't kill yourself over it. And some people do because they've put their being as less important you know there they have their they've put their indestructible being as more important 
than all of the forms that are by nature temporary. And that's where the, that's where the devastation comes from. And that devastation leads to heartache. So how does somebody that's been struggling... No, no, the heartache is... No, if, if, if we're already disconnected, you know, I mean, even, even if everything's going well, the, the, the heartache is already my default personal state until I find my way back to it. So the people that are in that default state all of the time, uh, how do they heal that ache deep inside? Well, they, they can't. They can't, you can't heal. If, if you focus on that, if, if that's where the focus is, you have to change the focus. By changing the focus. If you don't fo change the focus, you can't, you can't heal it. And in fact, there are people who, uh, my, my example is always, you know, somebody gets uh, traumatized, whether they got beat up or they got raped or they whatever, went through war like I did, I did. And some people spend the rest of their life living with that as their, their deepest focus. And so then they bring, and they bring it back and they live it over and relive it and relive it and relive it every time they bring it to mind they make that track stronger and make it easier to keep bringing it to mind. But if they want to heal, then they need to accept that it happened. You, you, don't, you don't want to say, oh no, it didn't happen, or suppress it. Accept that, that it happened, and there, there's probably some learning to do around it, and some processing, and some grieving, and all of that. But accept at the same time that something in you was not affected and give that some time too. So when you, when you, if you say, oh, you know, and, and then you can structure it any way you want. You can say, well, I'm gonna grieve one day, uh, uh, one, one hour a day, and the rest of the time I'm gonna focus on what else I need to do, do to, to, you know, whether it's my job or, or the rest of the family or whatever it is that I need to focus on. But we have choice over where we focus. In fact, it's the one thing we have the most choice over but we can't focus on something that we don't know exists. And that's why it's important to have this kind of a conversation, that in the midst of all of your changes, is something that you completely can rely on because it never changes, because that is its nature. It's and then you live with both, and then you live with both. You have, you have those eight pieces, and, and the, the cherished state is to be fully present in all of your being, which is the five five parts, and your surroundings. And when you're fully present in all of your being as an experience and your surroundings and not lost in thoughts in your head, you discover that your life goes a lot better mm. when, you're, when you're just present. Well, it's amazing that the one thing that you say we have the most control over is the one thing that puts so many people in this living jail, jail cell and they're on that constant loop like you said which is, yeah which is what which is what the one we the thing we have the most control over is what the thing we have the most control over is our thoughts is 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 our own existence mhm mm yeah we have the most control but we actually exercise the least control correct it's like it controls us in a more negative way than anything which is why so many people struggle with this type of stuff yeah, and, and, and how does it become negative? 
because some people turned it into a concept and then hammer you with it. Is that what you mean? Yeah, well, I mean, what I'm saying is, is you you said that people they they create these like uh, these traumatic experiences that have happened to them. They create the yeah. the uh, constant over loop over, yeah. over and over the replay. Instead of being yeah. able to get out of it, it, they almost allow it to define who they are. And based on what right. you're saying, based well, on they what, do. They do. Some people do it. Uh, use that to define who abs- they are. Absolutely. And sometimes it's because they don't know that there's something else that isn't affected. And sometimes, yeah, they just you know we've been at it for two hundred thousand years, human beings. How do you? Know, you kn- and we're. And if you if you really look at everything, we're not being kind to the environment. We, we've we've destroyed, you know, we've chopped down three quarters of all the trees that existed on this planet just ten thousand years ago. You know, so we're not doing that well in the environment. We're certainly not doing well in our politics. How have- we've forgotten that we're human beings before we are, like in your terms, Democrats and Republicans, right? We've, we've forgotten that, and now it's kind of like we believe the idea, and we actually destroy the people with those ideas, because we've made the ideas more important than the people. You forgot the independence, too. Uh, <laughs> What's that? I said you forgot oh, you know, the, the independence, come on. No, but the independents tend to be, they tend to be a little bit more mellow. Yes, they, um, yes, they do. Yes, yeah. they do. So, <laughs> but... but so we've been, you know, and we do it in relationships. You know, the, what is the deal? I'm not in touch with with the love in me that is unconditional that I could bring into the relationship if I were in touch with it. Mm-hmm. But I never looked inside. I never dug it out. I thought she was going to bring it to me. She thought I was going to bring it to her. She never looked inside to dig it out. Well, if I can't get in touch with the love in me and she can't get in touch with the love in her, where the, is the love in the relationship supposed to come from? Right, so it's not like this is not what I'm saying. It's like that's like we do it all the time, and we're not in terms of health. We do it too. Now, so we've we've been screwing it up for a very long time, and I think we live in a time where there's great pressure for us to come to terms with ourselves, because unless we unless we unless we experience ourselves as whole, we will be discontent. And out of that discontent will come destructiveness. And out of that destructiveness, we're basically destroying everything. Well, now I know now, after speaking new, with you... This is not a new message. Every every wise person on the planet has... <laughs> even, even little kids say things like that when they're still close to themselves before they get their head filled with, filled with stuff. Now that I know that after speaking with you, Udo, why you have been invited to teach at events by Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra. <laughs> it makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, this is like, uh, this is my my lifelong obsession because I came out of a war. It, it's it amazing. Just, it just like, it's amazing you know, it's to like me that, this, it, it, what I was going to say, it's amazing to me that you you started off with these two really unfortunate experiences. One, yeah one the uh infection or whatever you called it at the beginning and uh to the war and yeah. each of those experiences led you on a path that was so unbelievably positive that yeah. with that but for those experiences you may not be the man you are today oh i absolutely i mean i look back now 
And I say, I had the good fortune to be born in the middle of a war. But it didn't feel like it then. But was it, was it powerful? Was it important? Was it helpful? Absolutely. In fact, a lot of times when people haven't had a war and they haven't had really bad times in their life, sometimes we become very entitled and we become very full of ourselves and we, be, you know, <laughs> you know, we, we freak out when they, we, when we don't get a, a, an almond, unsweetened almond milk in our latte, right? Right. That's, that's not a third world problem. And a lot of, a lot of people, adversity is very instructive. So not having any adversity is probably not, you know, is probably not that good an idea. Listen, and of course, and, and if, if we are like that, then we will create the adversity. And you can see people doing that, too. Absolutely. In the countries where we've had it really well, you know, we're getting stupider and stupider, and we're going back into the thing that I'm talking about, that, that the, the war came. I mean, that war in, in Europe was not a war that had to happen. And it could have been completely avoided if people cultivated peace during peacetime when they had the luxury to do that. But we tend to get careless. And then, you know, and then when the war hits, then all of a sudden we, we're really interested in peace again. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then when the war is over and every, everything settles down, then we start to become sloppy again. We uh, we got away from it a little bit, but I would like you to just because this has been a fascinating conversation. Um, I would like you to just highlight your eight step process. We don't need to go into all the details, but take us through your eight step process to a more uh, better life. Okay, so so um, so the eight steps are based on the fact that each one of these eight parts has a different nature and a different function. Therefore, it each needs a different kind of attention on a regular basis. Each goes off in a different way, and each responds to a different kind of intervention. And I'm saying it. I'm saying that because you know sometimes people want to do everything through prayer, but if you need vitamin C, unless the prayer brings you vitamin C, the prayer is not going to fix in your body what the lack of vitamin C brought about. So some people want to do it all with prayer. Some people want to do it all with nutrition. Some people want to do it all with talk. And, and, and because I looked around, I, I'm saying, no, 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 no. You have to give each one of those eight parts its due. If you want to live a whole life, each one of them, you need to live in line, sorry, in alignment with nature and your nature. So number one is awareness. What kind of attention? You sit down, get quiet, shut up, turn off all your all your gadgets and distractions, and just be with yourself. By the way, being is more important than doing. And we know that because you can be without doing, but you can't do without being. So yes. being is the foundation. Well, they're, we're, called, we're, called, uh, we're called human sorry? beings for a reason. We're called human beings for a reason, not human yeah, doings. Right, but we live like as human doings. One hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, so. So awareness so is number one. So if you, so if you, if you don't deliberately sit with yourself and experience the quietness of being, you are living without foundation. Yeah. Because that is your foundation. 
that piece or whatever you call it is your is the is is the uh, uh, creates you but also creates the entire universe awareness number and one that, what's number two uh, and, and sorry so awareness is number one first and foremost yeah so awareness yeah or I call it internal awareness because your access to infinity is in the core of your being yeah. so you go into the core of your being you when you experience that then you actually realize that 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 awareness is not limited by by the dimensions of your body that awareness goes outward from that core endlessly yeah yeah and every human being is a center of of a sphere that has no surface that's another way to say it and like how, how are you going to say it? this is like formless stuff but it's real and you and you can feel it and you can know it what's number two and Number two is life energy. Life energy begins the sunlight, goes into green leaves, gets stored in the bonds between atoms. Those become our food, we eat the food, we break down the atoms, the energy is released, that's the life energy we live on. That energy ha has two ways of being looked at. One is objective, that's what science does, it goes 186,000 miles a second and all of the, you know, it can be like a wave and a particle and all of the stuff that the scientists have figured out. But if you bring your awareness inside and you, be, and you become that energy, so one is seeing energy. This, I'm talking now about being energy. And when you experience that, that's your power but it's also omnipresent in you, omniscient in you, and omni, omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient in it. It is, it is the all power in you, all knowledge in you, and all uh, presence in you, present everywhere in you. That's, by the way, is a definition of God, again. Yeah, yeah. It's the second definition. Nope. It's actually more the, that's more like the master. The master energy in the shape of you of your form that energy is the same energy the master spoke about or spoke from and the difference between them and us is they took it seriously and we mostly just dabble in it and, and follow them and trip on it instead of actually doing the homework that we need to do in order to embody that and that energy is also not only power and master but it's also unconditional love so it doesn't matter what's going on in your head or your personality or your, you know, th that molecule of, of vitamin C that you got from your orange, that was released by digestion, absorbed into your body. And while you're freaking about, out about whatever you freak out about or get distracted about whatever you get distracted by, that life energy, uh, carries that molecule of vitamin C to where it's needed in the body without you having to do anything. I would call that unconditional love. Number and, three. And it, it does it with, you know, with quintillion, quint, quintillions of molecules all over your body. 24-7, 365, never sleeps, never takes time off, doesn't go on strike, isn't vindictive. If you treat it badly, it doesn't treat you badly. Number Unconditional three. Unconditional love, lifelong. Yes, number three. So that's number two. All right, number that's three, number please. number two. And you want to experience that. You don't want to just memorize my words about it. 
want to experience. So we've got awareness, we've got energy. What about, what's the number three now? Yeah, number three is the shine of that energy into the world, and I call that inspired creativity. Mm -hmm. That's the the positive, constructive, uh, helpful, loving part of mind. Number four is the body, food, fitness, digestion, toxicity, sleep, rest, recovery, all of that. That's what we usually talk about when we talk about health. And then number five is survival smarts. That's the protective part of mind, and that includes protection and procreation. Yes. So Udo, does number four include Udo's choice line of oils? Yeah, and enzymes and probiotics too, yes. Yes, just making sure. <laughs> nice plug, nice plug. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, number five you said? Very, very finesse. You did that with great finesse. <laughs> <laughs> and so then number five is survival smarts, and then number six is, uh, and survival smart, by the way, it helps to be calm under fire. Very important in crisis situations, if you can remember. And and skills to the extent that you can pre- have you know, disaster preparedness or crisis preparedness. And there are certain things, that were, depending on where you live, you can, you can predict that this might be a good skill to have, mm-hmm. whether it's swimming or life-saving or first aid or you know, having the water stored in case there's an earthquake or whatever, everything breaks down. You know, so there's, it's, that's all part of so it's skills and calmness. And then number uh, six is social group, and social group affects your health. When I was a kid playing soccer when we first came to Canada, you know, and the first word I learned was uh, the S word, and uh, and we and the kids used to yell at each other when when they when a kid did something another kid didn't like. They said, "You make me sick." <laughs> so even as kids, we knew that other people affect our health. Yeah, of course. We use that as a swear word, but it's but it's also true in its more serious sense. Yeah, society and then, number six. Uh, yeah. num- number that's number six. Number seven is the natural, basically, a nature planet, uh, solar system, mm-hmm. uh, and and then all the creatures in nature that that we that we need to that we probably should focus more to harmonize with than to eliminate. But that's a, that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's number that's number seven, and then number eight is the fact that I am a I am a temporary. I live in a temporary body in an infinite universe, and to be okay with that, that I I have time, but I don't have a lot of time, and to be okay with that, and to be okay, and the the more fully present I am in all of my being, the less of a concern the death of the physical body mm. is. Because it's going to happen anyway, so, so so freaking out about it will probably make you die quicker. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you can live with stress in, in, in the midst of the fact that one day you, your body's going to check out. Mm-hmm. So... But something, but something in you does not check out when the body checks out because you are not actually the body. Like if I say to you, you know, I point at you and I say, whose body is that? What would you say? I would say that's my body. Yeah, and, and you know that you just said that you're not the body? We, we live like we were the body, but we actually know we're not the body. 
This is my body. You know, it's like if I, if, if this is my watch, I'm not the watch, I'm the owner. If this is my body, I'm not the body, I'm the owner. And who's the owner? Well, that goes back to life energy owns the body, owns and operates, weighs nothing, runs everything, and is beyond the, the destruction of the form that it creates because the energy itself is formless. So how are you going to destroy something that has no form to begin with? Before we finish off, Udo, um, yeah. you said that so t- time on life, time here is precious. And uh, you, I, I'm sorry, I, I didn't hear what you said. I said you, you were just talking about time, and, and you know whether you have one day left, uh, ten years, thirty years, whatever. If there was something that you still have yet to accomplish for yourself, what would that be? Yes. Okay. Yeah. The, the, what I'm living into is that eight billion people could live their lives lit up from within. Because the light is already there, it's a matter of looking into it instead of looking away from it. When we do that, we will feel so cared for that we don't need more, so we stop stealing each other's stuff. When we stop stealing each other's stuff, we can live in harmony. When we live in harmony, it's very simple to make sure that every creature's basic needs are met on a long-term sustainable basis. Imagine 8 billion people living from the master inside. It's a model of leadership, by the way. You know, if you have one guy in one place who's supposed to look after 330 million people, come on, that's like, that's delusional. <laughs> but you have this, you have a master living within you, and each, every person does too. And when we go to that master for instructions of what we need to be doing in the trench in which we live, Imagine eight people doing that. This would be a very different place, and t- that's basically what 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 I'm heading towards. And that's, by the way, if you talk to talk about my six year old, people can must be able to live in harmony. I'm going to find out how. That's the way. That's it gets done. that's beautiful. Udo Erasmus dot uh, com. Udo Erasmus at Instagram. The Udo Erasmus on Facebook. We are going to link these up in the show notes. Yeah. yeah uh, also, Udo's choice. Udo's choice. Yeah, Udo's choice. Uh, of course, we can't forget about that. Yeah. We'll make sure that we get that. And and you're also an author of the book, Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill, and we will link that. Yeah. That sold over two hundred fifty thousand copies at this point. Yeah, and and uh, and a copy of a book called uh, Omega Three Cuisine. It's the only cookbook on on Omega Threes, uh, recipes for health and pleasure. You know what, Udo? I'm just realizing. I think you may be getting a call from Dos Equis, the beer. Who? Dos Equis, the beer company. Because in my opinion, <laughs> you are really the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. you know what? I, I got a first one. It, uh, thank you. And first of all, it takes one to know one. <laughs> That's so, uh, so right back at you. Yeah. Uh, but... But the other thing that, that I want to just be, be really clear about, the way you ask the question makes it really easy for me to do what I do. And when the host isn't firing on all fil- cylinders, uh, it's very hard to deliver this kind of material. So I want to thank you for that. Thank you so much, Udo. We will link you up in the show notes. Uh, wishing you all the best and uh, really happy to connect with you. We'll stay in touch. All right.
right. Thank you.